Hello, and welcome to Cross Life Church in El Dorado, Arkansas. We pray that this message from our lead pastor, Chester Passmore, will encourage and challenge you in your walk with Jesus Christ. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to us at www.crosslifechurcheldo.com. Thank you again for listening. Ephesians chapter 5. You got, you got the words up there, brother? Give me verse 20. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. Giving thanks always. Oh, the screens aren't on. That's why I keep looking. The TVs aren't on. Hey, bro. There we go. Yeah. There's music going. Okay. Can y'all hear that? I can't hear that. There we go. All right. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks always. Number one, as we approach marriage, it has to be approached with thanksgiving. Say amen. There's not many people y'all can just talk, talk to me and say, that's right, Chester. Right. Has to be approached with thanksgiving. Whenever we get into crises in marriage and we lose our thankfulness for a marriage, we lose our appreciation for the other person, our spouse, we're in, we're in, a, we're in a world of hurt. Because when I, when I begin to lose value or appreciation for the other person, it, that things become self-centered. It becomes about me. And love, in essence, is selflessness. And so you have to begin, you have to start off with thanksgiving. And so here we go. Verse 21, keep on going. It says, submitting to one another. Now, all your life you've heard wives submit to your husbands. But before, he even, before Paul even begins talking about submitting all this kind of stuff, he says submit one to another. It is absolutely Chester's job to submit to my wife as much as it is Missy's job to submit to me, okay? Now, what that looks like is different um, different roles. We are not the same person or designed by God to do the same thing and function in the same capacity as leading our home. I have my roles. She has her roles. And, and I know that, that just saying that out loud in 2019 makes people just cringe and the ACA, blah, 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 you is going to be calling and writing letters and all that kind of stuff. But the truth is, is God established roles, he established authority, and there is a submission one to the other, okay? And so submitting one to the other in the fear of God. We submit to each other in the fear of God, It's, marriage is hard to talk about. Let me tell you why. Because the church pews are full of people, not full, but there's, there's lots of people in your, in your church pews who have gone through a failed marriage. And to hold the kind of standard of marriage that I feel like the scripture teaches us, you feel like you worry sometimes that people don't come under condemnation. Now, I can't dilute the waters of what the word says, somebody say amen, okay? And if you've been divorced, I don't think you're a second-rate Christian. 
okay? But and I don't think that you're a, a second-rate citizen of the kingdom of God, and, and you, you are, wherever you are, I hope you're in a clean slate that you, can, that you can start over. And from this point forward, you can hold the standards that, you, that God, the word of God says for us to hold when it comes to marriage. So I don't want there to be any condemnation. But I do want to see a higher standard for marriage return to the body of Christ. And it comes with the fear of God in our marriages. I can't treat her the way my flesh would like to treat her, not because I'm that good of a guy, but because A, A, above all else, I'm responsible to him for how I treat her. When Talon and Hannah, here in about 13 days, 11 days, <laughs> how many hours, Talon? <laughs> okay. When Talon and Hannah stand in that barn with the Clydesdale's horses and all of us, okay, when they stand in that barn, it is not a two-person agreement. The very first thing we're going to do whenever Hannah walks down that aisle with Gary and they're going to stop and we're going to stand right there. And town will be right here. I'll be right here. Hannah and her dad and, and, her, and, and all of us will be there as witnesses. And the very first thing we're going to do is invite the Holy Spirit into that ceremony because this whole thing we're about to do with covenant making is a three-way covenant. It's between man and woman and God. And if we had a healthy fear of the Lord in our marriages, I feel like as the body of Christ, if we had the healthy fear of the Lord in our marriages, I feel like we would begin to demonstrate more appropriately to the world what God intended in the marriage and life, okay? Submit to one another in the fear of God. Verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Again, she's not even doing it for the sake of the husband. She's doing it as an act as unto the Lord. Here's the, the overall reaching thing that, that, that I'm talking about tonight. We've talked about the physical aspect of marriage. That was awkward. Remember, I mean, remember that? That was awkward. Remember that? That was awkward. Okay, I didn't like that one. We've talked about physical aspect of marriage and a lot about the emotional act of marriage, actions of marriage. We've talked a lot about the psychology of marriage and, and the way we think, the way we approach, and, and, and practical steps when we approach problem-solving in marriage. But tonight is about one central thing, spirituality, as it pertains to our marriage. Our marriages should be, as believers, extremely spiritual because, in essence, they were founded on the, the, on God and, and the covenant with God and, and a spiritual thing, okay? And so that's what, anytime I talk about marriage tonight, I'm not talking about the physical side or the emotional side. I'm not talking necessarily about how it makes us feel. I'm talking about our commitment to God and, and the spiritual nature of our marriages, okay? Verse 23 says this, For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Verse 24, for therefore, for therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, is the church subject to Christ? Does Cross Life Church, is it subject to God? For us to even imagine answering that question, no, 
is the, is the dumbest thing we could ever think. No, the church is not subject to God, right? As the church is subject to Christ, wives should be to their husbands in everything. I'm reading you the Bible, not my opinion. Verse 25, let's keep on going because it's feeling weird. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Selflessness, selflessness. Every marriage conflict that I ever deal with has got selfishness wrapped all around it. Selflessness. What should I do? When it comes to my marriage, act like Jesus. Well, what did Jesus do? He died for the other person. Are you, are you willing to die for that person right there? Well, yeah, I would jump in front of a moving car. I don't know. Are you willing to die to your, what, what you want right now? Are you willing to die to this thing that you think you have to have? This, 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 are, you willing, are you willing to die? Right? Praise God. Let's go. Keep on going. Love your wives, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. Verse 27, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having, I do believe this, husbands, I do believe this. When we love our wives appropriately, I believe that she, it's like, it's like a picture of we're putting crowns and jewels upon her and necklaces of diamonds and, 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 we're, and like we're, we're beautifying her with our love when we love her appropriately, the word. Look, we're making her more beautiful if we love her appropriately. Not in the outward appearance. I'm talking, some of y'all are going to go home and say, pastor said make me beautiful, give me the credit card. Okay? <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in her spirit. Okay? That she should be holy without blemish. Verse 28, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. Verse 29, keep on rolling. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of the flesh, and of his bones. Verse 31, keep on rolling. For this reason, a man shall leave. This is, this is out of the book. The, one of the first things God ever recorded in Scripture in the first three chapters of the Bible was a, was a statement about marriage, that marriage should be a man and a woman, uh, a man shall leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife. The law of first mention in Scripture is powerful, and it's consistent throughout. I heard a revelation this week that blew my mind. I moved my watch to the other side because it was made a ration, so I'm doing this all the time. Oh, yeah, over here. Okay, 6.43, because the power went out and the clock's wrong. Can I, check, can I, share, can I share with you the, 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 the revelation that I saw this week? I read it in a, in a book, and I've never seen this or heard this before. In the beginning, there's this, this statement I just told you about the law first mentioned where a man shall leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife. Okay? Fast forward to the cross. Jesus, for the first time in all of existence of eternity, separates from the Father, my God, my God, why have you that he might take his bride. Can 
Because that was the moment right there when he said it is finished and he breathed his last. The church was birthed and the bride was birthed. You see what I'm saying? And, and there had to be, and I'm telling you, it's, I was just like, oh. I, I, the reason I share that right now is because we're fixing to stumble across a scripture that I want to show you. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother uh, and be joined to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. Verse 32. Here it is. Listen, this is a mystery. Is that what it says? This is a great mystery. I actually think it could mean this is the greatest mystery. I think of all, Paul in, in the epistles, he loves to talk about mysteries. He calls this mystery of marriage the great mystery. Hear me now. I believe that marriage could possibly be the greatest demonstration of the plan of God, the, the, over, the overreaching eternal purpose and plan of God for all creation. I think that if there's any one thing on the earth that demonstrates God's plan more than anything else, I think it's the great mystery of marriage. Why? Why are you here? Like, why do you exist as a person? Because your mama and your daddy? No. I was in the heart of God. I existed in the heart of God before the foundation of the world ever existed, right? Before my mama and daddy ever had that twinkle in their eye. Chester existed in the heart of God. I'm here, you're here, because we existed in the heart of God. When God, here's the one question that, that we, we I, I want to answer more. That, I mean, why did God create? Why did God create? Was he bored? Was it like sixth grade science experiment class? And he's like, hey, today we're going to create a universe and we're going to make people, right? He's like, he's just molding with Play-Doh? No. The ultimate reason God created, I believe, and this is a principle consistent throughout Scripture, is that I think God, who is what? What is God. Huh? Love. God exhibits love is what the scripture says, right? No. God is love. He is the, the essence of God is love. I think God wanted something that he could love and would reciprocate his love. I don't know, kind of like a marriage. How does this all end? This church world, this Christianity, how does this whole thing end? It ends with an eternal kingdom ruled and reigned by a king and his bride. Are y'all out there? This, the, the end game of everything from the moment of creation through the entire Old Testament, the birth, the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the church age, all the end time events you want to believe, whatever they are, is different ideas of that. It all ends with a, with, with a eternal kingdom of David ruled by a king and his bride, Jesus and us. That's, that's the end game. Paul's saying... That marriage 
is the great mystery to the whole world, to show the whole world what the eternal purpose of God is. That all this happened. Old Testament, Isaiah 62, different. Isaiah 62, Yahweh's married to Jerusalem. Uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, all of them talk about Yahweh being married to Israel. New Testament, Jesus is married to the church, right? Yahweh in the Old Testament married to Israel and Jerusalem. New Testament, Jesus married to the church. God has been interested in marriage from the beginning. First thing he does, creates a man. Says, hey, it is not good for you to be alone. Let's make you a wife. God has been interested in marriage from the beginning. It's the bookends of the whole story. Begins with marriage, ends dot, dot, dot into eternity, if you will, this part of the story, with the culmination, the culmination, and you know what I'm talking about? Of marriage. Paul is saying this is a great mystery. What if you viewed, hear me now, married people, what if you viewed marriage? as a demonstration of the entire story of God to the planet? What if Christians took it that seriously? Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. If you've been divorced, no condemnation, I'm loving you tonight. I, I, I just want to ask this question. Why do, you, why do we think that God uses the word hate when he talks about divorce? Because I think it's a destruction of the great mystery. Am I out there? He hates very few things. Lots of sins, he doesn't use the word hate. But with divorce, he uses the word hate. Because I believe in the heart of God, marriage is much more than just the uh, physiological uh, plan for multiplying people on the planet. Right? I think there's something wrapped up in the heart of God that is a great mystery. It is super spiritual. It's the eternal plans and purposes of God that exists inside this little pearl of mystery called marriage. I believe that's why hell fights it the way he does. Y'all out there? Marriage is extremely spiritual. Extremely spiritual. It is not a living arrangement. It's not a, uh, it's not a, we'll do it as long as we think we can arrangement. I think it's a, a spiritual entity principle that had been put on the planet as there is the institution of marriage. Verse 33. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular started with submit. Let both of you submit. Now let each one of you in particular so love his wife as himself and so let the wife <coughs> let the wife see that she respects her husband. I'm going to touch another very touchy subject right now as well. 
If you're, if you're here or you're hearing this, please do not be offended. This is, this is not trying to make anybody feel better or less than. Wherever you are, the Holy Spirit's working with you, and we are, behind, we are championing what God's doing in your life, okay? There is a concept in the Bible when it comes to marriages. Spiritually, it's spiritual, and it's this concept right here. Give me verse 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Okay? Any of y'all got kids? Young kids. I've got young kids. One of these days, barring the rapture, it's going to be 11 days till their wedding. Right? I will lose my sanity and probably my freedom to live outside of prison. Don't dig this tape up in the future. But anyway, if one of my children was to bring home an unbeliever kid to date, to marry, not going to happen. <laughs> now, in Jesus' name, it's not going to happen. Amen? Y'all say amen with me. I have a strong conviction you cannot mix oil and water and have a happy life. Krista is here. Haley is here. She's up there. They're doing youth service tonight. First time Krista bought Christian to meet me. First time Haley bought um, uh, Andrew to meet me. Hi, how you doing? Let's sit down. Let's talk. For whatever reason, these young ladies liked Missy and I and wanted our input into this thing. And so, so we, we, we sat down and we talked. You saved? Good, good. Saved enough. Not for me. Might be for you. Not for me. Christian, you speak in tongues. And we're going to go. What do you, I mean, because I, hear me. Uh, when I was nine, my dad started pastoring a church. My dad started pastoring a church when I was nine years old. And I hope this video never gets to these people because I'm talking kind of bad about them. I don't want them to get it. But anyway, I had a Sunday school teacher. And she came to church every time the doors opened. She taught Sunday school, taught us the Bible, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I never in my life met her husband. Didn't come to church. Actually, he didn't come to our church. He went to a church. He went to a church of Christ, I think it was which is fine. Never in my life met him. In the entire existence that I knew these people, she went to this church, he went to that church. Is that okay? Your opinion is absolutely for you to have. My opinion is, I'm telling you, as a nine-year-old boy, having no knowledge of the scripture like I do now, it just didn't, it, it didn't make sense to me as a nine-year-old. That makes sense? 
Well, that's not, that's not what moms and dads, they're supposed to go to church together. I know that I'm probably stepping on people's toes and pushing a line that hadn't been pushed in a while, but I'm telling you, I do not believe that if we're holding a standard of marriage, it is God's will for us to be married to unbelievers and for, and for us to be unequally yoked. And, I, and, and, and what you really, really want is you really want two people who are walking with the Lord Okay, and really, I like what Damon Thompson says. He talked about if you're dating, find somebody who's outrunning you and then chase them down, ask them to be your wife, you know, or a husband or whatever it is. Okay, and so, and so some of the most, um, just some of the most frustrated people I know of are people who are on fire for God and are married to somebody who's not and they're frustrated a lot. Okay, and 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 I'm not downing those people, and, and I'm praying God would 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 get a hold of their spouses and there'd be resurrection and, and a revival in their life. Okay, but here's what I do know: spiritual spirituality between Missy and I has never been a problem because we were both on fire for God when we did this marriage thing. That's the way. That's the standard we want to hold for our children, isn't it? So, do I think God can take any situation and resurrect it? Yes, but I'm not saying let's give you permission. I'm saying let's have a standard and let's all shoot for the standard, especially when it comes to our kids. Are y'all okay? What's wrong? It's hot in here, isn't it? Okay, let's read, let's read that scripture a little farther. What fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion, what communion has light with darkness? Keep on going, verse 15. What accord has Christ with Belial? And what part has the believer with the unbeliever? Is it verse 16? Yeah, keep on going, verse 16. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will dwell in them, walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. I want to be eternally united, or at least until death do us part, with somebody that we are operating in the same temple. You know what I'm saying? Okay? And so, yeah, that's a good parenting advice. Amos 3.3 3 says, can two walk together unless they are agreed? 1 Corinthians 6, 15, 16 says, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take members of Christ? Uh, let's read this one, yeah. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Paul is absolutely talking about the sexual experience right here. The reason he's talking about the sexual experience because the number one mode of worship for the heathen or the unbeliever was, uh, was sex in the temple of Diana, and they would, they, would, they would take sacrifices and they would sleep with the prostitutes in the steps of the temple of Diana, and he was, telling, he was teaching the Christian this is no longer acceptable. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Verse 16, please. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot, look at me, is one body with her? Marriage is extremely spiritual. And, sp and I'm telling you, this is stuff we hadn't talked about in church in a number of years, but there is spiritual soul ties that come 
with a union sexually because even sex is a spiritual act. And there are soul ties and things that come with that union because it's not just a physical act. It is a spiritual act. And so this idea that we can be promiscuous, I'm not talking about the world and the church, I'm talking about that we can be promiscuous and not bring those things into our marriage is false. And I'm going to go a step further. If you get divorced and you at some point enter into another marriage, you need to deal with something spiritually to cut some things off from the past because it was a spiritual encounter that needs a spiritual answer. Like old Tommy preaching in here tonight. Old Tommy preaching. He's saying, Paul, do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? Where would he get that idea from? I don't know. Genesis, the two shall become, right? The two shall become one flesh. There is no thing, such thing as an out of the marriage bed sexual experience that does not have a spiritual connotation. Is there verse 17 there? We should move on to the next scripture. Move on to the next scripture then. 1 Corinthians 7. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 10 says this. Now, to the married I command you... Uh, this is New King James Version. I do not want to read this scripture tonight. There's a portion of scripture right above this. He says, this is not from the Lord. This is Paul speaking. And he says, I wish you'd all be like me. Paul wasn't married at that point. Okay? That's not a commandment from the Lord. That's he says, that's Paul. He, Paul testifies. This is not a command from the Lord. This is me speaking. I wish everybody would stay unmarried. There's a statement after this one where, again, he says, this is not the Lord speaking. This is Paul, my advice right here. He says to you, uh, you know what? If you're married to an unbeliever, you should stay married unless they leave. And if they leave, you can be, uh, you can be separated because the, God, there should be peace in your world. Okay, and that's Paul's advice. Not, and he makes a point to say in those two statements, this is me speaking, not necessarily God speaking. But there's one verse that, he, that says here that, that he says, this is not me, but the Lord. Yet not I, but the Lord. Now to the married I command, yet not I but the Lord. A wife is not to depart from her husband. Look at me. Look at me. A spiritual union of marriage. The will of God is for it to succeed and go the long haul distance. If... There are the small window of cases that there's biblical permission for divorce. Please, please take no condemnation or judgment inside of your heart, inside of yourself if you've been divorced. Even if you messed up and you've been divorced, I'm saying from this, from 2019, December 4th forward, let this be your mindset. I do not want there to be condemnation in this house, but I cannot water down the word. 
Paul says, I command, yet not I, but the Lord. A wife is not to depart from her husband. Verse 11, even if she does depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. A husband is not to divorce his wife. Verse tw- is it verse 12 there? But to the rest, I, not the Lord, say. You ever notice that? Paul's saying, you know what? This is my opinion, but this one section right here, this is not my opinion. Yahweh has said this. Okay? If any brother has a wife who does not believe and she's willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. I think that's great advice, by the way. I think it's really great advice by Paul. But to the rest, I not oh, verse one. And a woman who is who has a husband, a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce. Verse fourteen. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. Now they're holy. Verse fifteen. But if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace. I've heard people say, well, God wants us to live in peace, using that as a, as a, as a, as a uh, qualifier to get a divorce. God wanting you to have peace alone is not a good qualifier to get a divorce. Okay? Are y'all okay out there? <laughs> okay, good. Okay. So here's the deal. I don't know. <coughs> Maybe you can think of. Maybe you can think of a scripture, not a scripture, a topic throughout scripture that God and his apostles talk so plainly and black and white on as the subject of marriage and divorce. I don't know if I can think of one. It's, I mean, he just says, he uses words like hate. He's like, this is not my idea. This is God speaking. I mean, this, I mean, it is black and white. It is out there. I wish that the church was doing a better job of demonstrating the good side of this, this equation to the world. And we're going to, especially Cross Life Church people. Amen. Okay, good. I think God's very serious about this subject. Why? Because he just doesn't like divorce? Why? Because I think marriage is an extremely spiritual union. Extremely spiritual union. And could be the single greatest demonstration of the overall plan and purpose of God to the world. I think God takes marriage that seriously. It was right there at the beginning. It's right there in the end into eternity. It's consistent throughout all Scripture. The scripture, the word of God is dripping with covenant marriage. It's a big deal. It's extremely spiritual. Now let's kind of shift the conversation a little bit. How many of you uh, 
would raise your hand and say, in your marriage, you are spiritual. Okay, good. What does that mean? I know some couples and maybe some of y'all that every day you pray together. Every day you might read a devotional together. Every day you might, you know, I don't know, talk about God together. I know some couples who never pray with one another and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and I know everybody, I know people in between. Missy and I have never been, probably never going to be, the every day open up a devotional and I'm going to read it to her and she's going to read parts of it to me and we're going to close it and, and pray to, and pray with one another, not pray to one another, pray, hey, Missy, I pray that you would not be so mean. Okay, <laughs> so, so my, so my, no, but my, my point is like, we, we don't do that. If you do that, that's working for you, great. That's great. Do it, please, please. I'm not making fun of anybody. We, we, just, we don't do that. Um, I'm talking about marriage. I'm also going to talk about parenting for a second because I don't, force my kids to do Jesus because I want them to have that revelation for themselves. I don't allow them to do immoral things in my home, and I have standards, but I don't push, shove Jesus down their throat. When they get in trouble, I don't say, God disappointed in you. I might very calmly, though, have said every once in a while, this mindset that you're talking with blah, 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 babe, you're wrong. Well, why am I wrong? Because the word teaches us that's not how we treat people. But I try, not, I try to keep the angry grot away from them. Okay? I don't, when, if you do this and it works for you, great. That's how you do your deal. I'm not saying that you shouldn't. Personally, I don't. I don't, when they get in trouble, I don't make them write out the entire passages of scripture and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Like, I had a friend named Paul in school, and I remember one day he was in class, and he was writing out the entire book of Proverbs because he had gotten in trouble. And I was like, why are you doing that? And he's like, I got in trouble. And then, uh, you know, anyway, he wasn't a big fan of the Bible. <laughs> so, anyway, whatever, whatever you want to do, that's fine. But my point is, is I, don't, I don't push religion my faith on kids. But I do catch them every once in a while with their Bible, walk through and I'll be picking in the room and they're sitting there reading their Bible. I do catch them worshiping that kind of stuff because it's real to them. I don't want them to, I remember whenever, uh, you wouldn't understand this, Steve. Uh, when you get, when you're assembly of God, preacher, you have to sit before a council of preachers to get your uh, your papers, okay? And so I remember I'm sitting before this council of preachers, and I sit down, and they, and they really talk it up like it's a big, scary, bad, bad thing. And I remember I sat down in that chair, and I remember one of the pastors said, well, following in your daddy's footsteps, huh? And I said, no, sir. They all kind of sat up, and I said, God called me. It's my relationship and my calling. And then they asked me like two more questions and let me go. About money, anyway. So that's another subject. So my, my point is, is uh, so, so <laughs> Steve's like, "Amen, right?" So, but uh, what I'm trying to say, if you was to be like a little pet mouse that I kept in my pocket, and you lived with me and Missy for a couple of weeks, you probably walk away thinking, you know, they're not at all real like super spiritual like I think they are. Like I, I don't, they didn't do it. You know what I'm saying? 
Our spirituality is the natural outflow of our life and our walk with God. For instance, if she's sick, will you pray for me? If she's sick, she don't ask. When she, if she falls asleep, I reach over. I, 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 many times, she doesn't know it. She's laying over there, and I reach over there, and I grab her by the back of the neck. Come here, I'm going to reach your neck. I grab her by the back of the neck right now, just laying there, and I'm just praying for her for a while while we're falling asleep because so, she needs healing in her neck right now. We're doing lots of spiritual things. She'll, she'll share with me. We have a long, stand, we have a long email uh, chain going, and most of it's from Missy and some of it's from me, of spiritual dreams we're having about either the church or about the family. And we're going back and forth, and we're sharing, we're talking, but it's the outflow of our relationship with God. But I'm not, Missy, submit to your husband. Have you read your Bible today? If I do ask you that, it's probably because she's in a bad mood. <laughs> you read your Bible today? But this is a very spiritual communion. I remember that when I first got married, Missy would warn me about things spiritually, about people, about circumstances, and I wouldn't listen to her. I got smarter. Notice I said ter. I got smarter. Now I've trust spiritually what she's getting from the Lord so much more. And when she talks to me, my antennas go up and I listen and I try to pay attention because this is not just a really great living arrangement. And matter of fact, it's almost like spiritually God said, she will be your help. Whoa. Maybe God, you put her in my life to be a help to me. She does occasionally. It's a joke. This is a spiritual union. If you leave here tonight on the last night of all these marriage lessons, I need you to walk away with this last nail. I shouldn't say in the coffin. That would be a bad analogy to use for <laughs> with this last wall of this house we're building. Marriage is spiritual. Whether you want it to be or not. Because you're either inviting heaven in your home or you're going to invite hell in your home. It's spiritual one way or the other. It's designed to be equally yoked. It's designed to be, and I don't, I don't, please don't take this wrong, babe. We're designed to be two oxen. Did not call you. <laughs> I'm saying the Bible says two oxen yoked together pulling this plow for God. And it's not supposed to be one ox doing all the work while one ox is lagging back. You see that? We're designed to be equally yoked by God in a marriage union. I'm not lowering my standard in my home to go against the word of God just because it makes people feel good. You have to hold the standard of marriage high, and you have to hold it high in your home. If we want to do something as a church about the world and its concept of love and its concept of marriage and its concept of sexuality and its concept of abortion and its concept of, of, of gender and all, every major issue we're facing right now is, is, can be traced back to one entity, the home and this foundational marriage. 
you want to do something real about changing America, have the best stinking marriage you can possibly have and produce it in your children. I talked to somebody this week in my office. Their life is full of dysfunction and, and, and all this kind of stuff. And I said to them, young person, I said to them, you can start a new beginning for your family line. So I don't care. You can be like Chester tonight that I don't know of anybody with the last name Passmore that's been divorced. In my family tree, I don't know of anybody like that that's been divorced. And I fully intend on keeping it that way and letting my sons and, and his sons, you see what I'm saying? That's, we should champion, right? We should be like, we, we should say amen, right? Okay, well, I mean, but wherever you are today, what if your past isn't like my past? And what if you have a long line of that and that and that and that? And even if it touched your own life, from this moment forward, you can set a new standard. From this moment forward, you can have a very genuine, authentic, selfless, spiritual marriage. And you can be part of the demonstration of the great mystery of God to the earth. Stand up on your feet. We hope that this message from Cross Life Church was a blessing and encouragement to you. If we can pray for you or help in any way, please let us know by reaching out to us at www.crosslifechurcheldo.com. Thank you again for listening and God bless you.